following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. What's up, everybody? I am so excited to be joining you. First off, I want to give honor to an icon, to the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I love Pastor Rex Johnson. In fact, I love him even more because on my 45th birthday this year, he literally called me along with Pastor Phil, FaceTimed me, and gave me a birthday shout-out. And I can tell you, it was such a warming thing for my heart. I love you, Pastor Rex. I love you so much. And to everybody at Christian Life, I love you guys, Pastor Brad. Cassidy, so many people. I'm going to miss some people. So I'm just going to say, what up, everybody? It's been a long time since I've been with you on site, but I am very honored to take part in this focus, this summer revival. I am so, so thankful that we're not limited by being in person with each other that we can actually join this way. So if you're out there and you're excited about Summer Revival, get all up in the chat. Make some noise if you're watching. If you all up in your living room, your kitchen, or you're watching on a mobile device, let's go. Give a shout out to your pastors as well. Isn't it awesome that we don't have to be limited by being in person during this season, that we actually have a way of being together? In fact, I like unlimited things. I really do. And maybe you feel the same way. I love unlimited things. In fact, I can't even remember sometimes not having unlimited access to certain things. For instance, think about this. I was just tracking in my mind about this the other day. Do you even remember not having unlimited minutes on your mobile phone? Like all of us are so accustomed to it, but what did we do before we had unlimited minutes? You know what we did? We put quarters in phones. Think about that. Not only that, some of us got really bougie and we were able to buy calling cards at a bodega or a local CVS or Walgreens and we could make international calls for unlimited amounts of time. I personally am thankful for having unlimited minutes. I love restaurants that have unlimited nachos and unlimited french fries and unlimited lemonade. I love the idea of having that type of access. I don't, I don't even remember what it's like to rent a car without having unlimited miles. Imagine going up into Hertz or into Avis and not being able to have unlimited access to stuff. Well, sometimes we forget that we have unlimited access to a God that is able to do all things. And I'd like to unpack that in a moment. You see, in the story we'll get into today, Jesus and his disciples were super busy serving people. They were serving a lot of people, even to the point that in the gospel account from Mark, we learn that they didn't even get to eat. They were serving and working so hard, they didn't even get to eat. I don't know about you, but I hate involuntary fasting. Involuntary fasting is when you're working so hard at your job or you're at school and you forget to eat. And all of a sudden it's like 5 p.m. and you're like, oh, snap, I didn't, I didn't eat anything today. 
But for those of us that have made Jesus leader and Lord in our lives, don't you hate when it's the day that you decide that you're going to fast and all of a sudden you at work and everybody's warming up stuff in the, in the kitchen that smells all good. Everybody's coming around with chips and with soda and ice cream and all kinds of stuff. The day that you decide that you're going to fast, it seems like all of the universe conspires to get you to break that fast. And here Jesus is with his disciples and this large crowd, this listening audience that have sat and listened to his teaching for a couple of days, all of a sudden now the disciples are like, man, we got to do something about this. We're told in Mark's gospel that late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to nearby farms and villages to buy something to eat. In other words, the disciples are like, yo, they ain't got to go home, but they do got to get out of here. They're ready to disperse the crowd without thinking of how they can resource the crowd. And Jesus says, you feed them. And this is a profound statement because Jesus here transfers responsibility to his disciples. He says, you feed them. You make sure they're okay. You make sure that these people are resourced not only with teaching, but their physical needs are going to be met. And I believe that in this time and in this hour, all of you are going to have to answer the same question from time to time when Jesus tries to transfer responsibility to us to serve the needs of people that are far from God, but close to us. Shout yes if you believe that. Now, I've got a problem, people. Not only do I like to eat all the time, I like to snack all the time. It, it's tough. The struggle is real. And when I snack, I usually go to M&M's. I love M&M's. If you are watching in a chat right now, I want you to put some emojis if you love candy all up in the chat right now. Or if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, come on, put that all up in there because I love M&M's. I'm not biased against plain M&M's or peanut M&M's. I love them all. And you're like, man, maybe I am a person that loves M&M's as well. And if you are one of those people like, oh, no, I don't eat M&M's. Everybody eats a sort of M&M's, even the disciples. Yeah, I can prove it to you that in the Bible, there was already M&M's back in the day. You're like, what? A lot of people don't know this, but M&M's were released in 1941 and were made for soldiers initially. I don't know why. I just know that M&M's is full of goodness is because they melt in your mouth and not in your hands. Why did they say that? They know that M&M's are so full of goodnesses that they ain't going to stay in your hands long enough to melt, especially mine. But here in the text, I'll prove it to you that the disciples had M&M's. When Jesus says, you feed them, they respond like I would. I'd be like, with what? We've had to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. In another gospel account, we learn that it's Philip that responds and he immediately runs the cost of the project. He calculates how many man hours of work it would take to feed all those people. He saw the task as impossible because he approached everything with linear thinking. And when you think too linear, you will limit your God. <laughs> Oh my God. Listen to me, everybody out there. We all think 
in M&Ms. This is why M&Ms are in the Bible. Because most of us limit our God with months and money. Every time we encounter the opportunity to see something big, we start coming to God with M&Ms, months and money, months. Our time is limited. It's finite, and it's a precious possession. In fact, right now, I know that I'm contending with one of the scarcest resources in the world, which is your attention span. Time is a constraint. It's a scarce resource, and most of us think in months. How many times have we asked ourselves, how many months am I going to be in this quarantine? How many months will it take for me to find a new job? How many months will it take for me to find a new boo thing? (laughs) How many months will it take for me to recoup the investment that I lost? How many months is it going to take for me to do this or that? Most of us limit the power of our God by simply thinking about months. And next, the thing that we often think about is money. Money for many of us is a scarce commodity. We never seem to have more than enough. And so much so, our culture is filled with strife because we don't see money as being equally distributed. And so many of us that are watching right now may be asking, how will I get enough money to buy a house? How will I get enough money to pay off my school tuition or my school loans? How much money will it take for me to replace this or that in my particular home or apartment and we think in months and we think in money and limitations are always going to be that way when we have those two competing realities and Jesus comes back and he doesn't even address it he says how much bread do you have And he asked them to go and find out. Jesus comes against their scarcity mindset, reminding them that maybe if they just took inventory, they might be able to find out what they have. And if they have something, he could work with it. I want to let you know that Jesus is asking a profound question. How much bread do you have? What do you have currently? Because most of us don't realize that most miracles only start with a morsel. I'll say it again. Many miracles only start with a morsel. And many of us need to walk around our lives and see what we might have that seems meager in our own eyes that God can use to multiply. You see those five loaves for those of us that have made Jesus leader and Lord in our lives and are acquainted with this story. It's those five loaves of measly bread that they come to Jesus with. It's not like the good bread we get in our bakeries. It's not like the bread that we see in our supermarket aisles, but it is this barley bread. It seems insufficient, and they only come with five loaves of it and two fish. But God does something amazing with it. Now, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I was just preaching about M&Ms, and now I'm thinking about Snickers. My goodness, those Snickers commercials are hilarious, aren't they? You remember those jokers? Because I love Snickers. But that tagline is, you're not yourself when you're hungry. Look, I'm a pastor and I'm a Christian. But when I'm hungry, you know there's a difference between being hungry and hungry or hangry. If I'm hungry, I will drop kick you in your larynx. I will fool Nelson you down until I get some chicken. 
I will kick you in your kneecap if I don't get a chance to eat. I'm not myself when I'm hungry. And if the first thing that I do is I lose my manners when I get hungry. People tend to act up and act out when they are hungry. And I can tell you that this large audience must have been pretty hungry. But something profound happens. Maybe it's even the first miracle that we read to that... Uh, that precedes the true miracle that we're familiar with. You see, Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. I think that's profound. To get hungry people to sit down that easy? Man, that's a miracle. Think about it. These people are hungry. My God. But all of a sudden, before Jesus decides to do a miracle, before Jesus ever decides to do a distribution, he tells them that they've got to sit down in an orderly fashion in groups of 100 and groups of 50 because some miracles won't happen unless you are in a group. Listen, I don't know about you, but I want to let you know that this is one of the reasons why so many churches and so many pastors always promote for you to get into a group because there's some miracles where you have to be seated with other people that have an expectation, other people that are hungry, other people that want to move toward a God that is able to take their famishing souls to something that's fed. Shout in the chat right now. Put up some 100 emojis right now. You see, Mark goes into other details, but I think it's profound that a miracle doesn't happen until the people are organized. <laughs> until the people get in a place to where they can receive the distribution of God's intention for them. In fact, the original word that's used by Mark, it represents a beautiful word picture. It represents them sitting down like beds of flowers with walks between them, so much so that a gardener would be able to pass easily up and down to water all the plants. Or it would look like waiters being able to pass through rows so that they could easily and conveniently share the bread and the fish without confusion. In fact, this might be the Bible's first depiction of social distancing. <laughs> they were organized and Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and blessed them, then breaking the loaves into pieces. Let me pause and say, there's some things that even though they're blessed, they still have to be broken. You're not hearing me. Some of you are watching right now and you're saying, I feel so blessed in the past, but now I feel broken. Maybe the things that God has blessed in your life need to be broken at times so that there can be a greater distribution to other people. Jesus knows no limitations and he cannot be prevented from doing something amazing when people get in groups like the group tonight. <laughs> when you gather around other people, <laughs> Jesus loves to do powerful things. And isn't that memorable? Like, would you ever forget watching 5,000 people plus children and women were not counted in that number being fed by such a meager offering? 
Seems like you'd never forget it, right? I, I know I wouldn't forget it. That's not actually true. Because the disciples, the Bible says late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. I think there's so much tension packed in that one verse. And I love that it has great alliteration, by the way. <laughs> it's late at night in the middle of the lake, and Jesus is on land. What do you do when it feels like God loves his own version of M&Ms as well? Huh. It seems like God doesn't show up in the midnight hours and when we're in the middle of a storm. It seems to me like God likes those types of M&Ms when he seems distant watching us from land while we're in the proverbial lake of our life dealing with so much drama. Have you ever found that you have been in the middle of something late at night and when it is tough and rough that God doesn't show up? I would say it this way in honor of Jada Pinkett Smith. Have you ever been in the middle of an entanglement? <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like you can't get out. Here's one of the most troubling verses to me in the New Testament. It says that Jesus saw that they were in, in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. Can I tell you that this might be one of the most accurate descriptions of the year 2020 since March and maybe even earlier. The U.S. has become deeply riddled by the coronavirus. Everything has been shut down. We've been immersed in two simultaneous global pandemics. The virus and the virus of racism. And here we are in the middle and late part of the summer and we're dealing with the winds and the waves of this situation. Many of us are rowing against the pain of losing our jobs, of having uncertainty, of dealing with some of the issues we see all throughout our times. And yet for all, it doesn't seem like Jesus is coming to rescue us. It doesn't seem like there's any help for us right now. And the Bible said that Jesus saw them. Why is it that Jesus doesn't come walking on the water earlier? Why do we have to row and push and fight and have question marks and have pain when Jesus can immediately come and help us? I've been struggling with that verse for most of my life, and I think I've gotten a little bit of a breakthrough recently because I was in Tennessee recently riding with some of my colleagues at our church, and we were riding all throughout Tennessee, and we invited one of my friends with us, really cool guy, and I would never, ever try to, you know, embarrass a friend of mine. You know, I would never, I'm a pastor, and I'm a Christian. I would never try to tell you that that dude was horrible at riding, that he was all terrible and slow, making us all weak and tired because we had to pedal slower for him, and I would never try to embarrass him and say that he was the worst rider I ever road with in my entire life. Why would I do that publicly on a forum that could get shared and stuff like that just because I saw him and I thought I will never ever ride with that person again. <laughs> but I learned something 
when the five of us were riding together. You see, I saw my friend ahead of me riding and struggling up a hill. I thought he was going to pass out or pass over. But I was behind him, and I intended to ride past him. In fact, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I rode right past him. But here's the thought. I love my friend. I love him deeply. And yet, I intended to ride past him. And here's why. Because I knew that he had the strength and the capacity and, ooh, and the core competencies to make it up that hill. And I decided, unless he cried out to me for help, that I was going to go past him because I knew he'd get to the other side. Ladies and gentlemen that are watching right now, can I let you know that maybe one of the reasons why God hasn't delivered you or us out of our situation is because he knows that we're going to make it to the other side. He knows that we can build and develop spiritual muscles when we row against stuff that seems hard. So don't you be intimidated by your storm. Don't you be intimidated by the culture that we're in right now. God knows we're going to get to the other side. He knows. Come on and shout at me in the chat right now. When you're in the middle of something, don't you ever think that God doesn't want to deliver you. See, when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror thinking he was a ghost because they went from loaves now to the middle of a lake. And when you're in the middle of a storm, the only thing that you can attach yourself to is a label. We, <laughs> we start labeling stuff. They thought that he was a ghost and yet he was their God. You see, in the absence of clarity, we fill in the blanks with worst case scenarios. And they were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. Here I am. Now, here's my message, everybody. This is where I was trying to get to. You see, Jesus climbed in the boat and the wind stopped and they were totally amazed. And here it is. They still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. They had just left the miracle, but they didn't make a connection. In fact, Mark uses a word in Greek to say they couldn't join together the basis of the loaves in their current context. I can tell you that so many of us struggle with the same thing. God has done so many great things in our lives, but what you're dealing with right now, what you're thinking about right now, the habit that you have right now, the pain that you have right now. You can't remember what God has done in the past. Why? Because our hearts are too hard. We don't remember the significance of the loaves. And there's so much stuff to unpack there. But loaves are a great metaphor to show us that God has taken things in our lives at times and made a miracle out of it. But we forget uh, once we get in an environment uh, that is difficult. Here we are in the most unprecedented and unpredictable time. But God is trying to remind us, as he's done before, that there are loaves in our lives. For some of us, it's the time that God healed us. For some of us, it's the time that he saved us from the car accident. For some of us, it's when he changed your mind, when you thought you were going to take your own life. For some of us, it is the supernatural wisdom that he has provided for you to make the right decision. And we forget what God has done in our lives in the past. And that's why we struggle with our present. 
Listen to me, everybody. Listen to me, everybody. There's another occurrence in Scripture that we read. It's the feeding of the 4,000. The feeding of the 5,000 was to a predominantly Jewish audience. The feeding of the 4,000 was to a predominantly non-Jewish audience. Gentiles, people that were far from God and had no real connection with God. Some commentators try to make this one instance, but they're two different scenarios. I can, I can prove it to you. Watch. Because in Mark chapter 8... The Bible says about this time, another large crowd, everybody shout another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. And Jesus called his disciples to tell them. I think it's profound that Jesus is always trying to serve people that don't deserve to be served. And they don't have to do anything to be a recipient of this grace, but just to be in the proximity of this great, great God, and Jesus asks, how much bread do you have? This is the second time that he asks this of his disciples. And we learn in the scriptures that the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. Now, I... I don't know about y'all. I know I'm a different kind of dude. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a different kind of dude. I'm going to be honest with you. But if I was around Jesus and Jesus did a miracle in the past with bread, you would never, ever get me not to be around Jesus with some bread. I don't know about you, but if I was in the Bible, I'd be that disciple that would have pumpernickel bread on me. I'd have gluten-free bread on me. I'd have cinnamon raisin bagels on me. I'd have rye bread on me. I'd have some... <laughs> I have some sourdough bread on me. I'd always have croissants. I'd always have bread on me. And yet these disciples, they never remember the significance of the loaves. And so they started traveling. Now think about this. Most of the time when they would travel, there'd be 13 of them, and they only had one loaf of bread. So they already had a scarcity mindset. These are disciples that were all Israelites who knew the story of how the Lord their God had fed their ancestors with manna in the desert. This is the imagery that Jesus is trying to get to them. He wasn't trying to say, I can only supply bread on earth. He was trying to let them know that I am the bread of heaven and he's trying to let them know and to grasp the implications of the miracle they forgot the significance of the loaves that they were encountering something more than a miracle they were encountering their messiah and i bet that there's many of us that are watching and you're overlooking loaves in your life you may be overlooking some of the crumbs of your life of Shreds of joy and peace and talent. And Jesus is saying, why don't you bring it to me? And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus started warning them, watch out. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. We can't unpack that right now. And they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Can I ask you a question tonight? Have you brought some bread? Have you brought proverbial bread? Have you forgotten the significance of the lows. Jesus knew, for those of us that are watching today, Jesus knew what they were saying. He said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? Surely, surely you would know by now that you don't need to worry when you're around me. Surely you would know that 
from your experience, your perspective has to change when you saw me feed over 5,000 people. I'm not limited by you not having enough. I'm only limited by you believing that I am not enough. Jesus says, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Listen to me, if there's anything that you get out of this message, I want you to get one line and you get it really big in your spirit right now. Your memory is essential for your next miracle. I say it one more time. Your memory is essential for your next miracle. I don't know about you, but every so often I got to go back to those old songs where they used to sing when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. Because sometimes your memory in your present is attached to what he's already done in the past. Jesus asked him, when I fed the 5,000 with loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up? afterward 12 they said watch this everybody lean in right now and when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up seven they said oh so profound so profound you see they knew the details they just didn't know his deity they knew the details about the miracle. They just forgot about his divine identity. And Jesus asked, don't you understand yet? Can I ask you today, do you know the details of what God has done in your past, but you can't remember his divinity and his power in your life? You can recall details, but you have forgotten his deity. If that's the case, your memory is essential to your next miracle. So I can tell you there's a syndrome. It's called phantom limb syndrome. It's when amputees actually can still feel a part of their body. And I got to be honest with you, I, I kind of struggle with phantom limb syndrome. It's when you think that you actually still have a limb. And when I forget my cell phone, oh man, I start twitching. I started <laughs> start getting crazy because it's become like a limb to me. And maybe you struggle with the same thing. Our cell phones are so powerful. Man, I'll be on the highway somewhere, and I can tell you that if I forgot my cell phone on a one-way interstate, I almost feel like I got to bust a U-turn. I'll be just trying to get back to go get my phone because it's this thing that feels like an unlimited resource. I've got unlimited minutes. I've got unlimited access to things that I want to search on the internet. I, it feels like such a powerful tool that without it, I feel helpless. I was on a flight recently, and there was this one dude. He had lost his cell phone, apparently. And so we were getting ready to take off, but homeboy lost his cell phone. And so he's searching all over for his phone. You ever see somebody that is frantic trying to find something, particular phone? Homeboy was like. He was all up under. <laughs> he was all up under 16A looking for this phone doing everything that he could, sweating his ever-living head off to find his phone. 
And everybody's like, oh my gosh, this guy, he's getting intense, looking for it, looking for his phone. And after doing all this frantic stuff, looking for it, he finally stood up and he said to the stewardess, can you call my phone? Can you, can you just call my phone for me? And he tells her the number and he starts ringing. The phone starts ringing. And he's still frantically like <laughs> searching all over. The phone is just ringing. And he's just going off and he's looking all over for it. And he is sweating. All of us are getting frustrated because we just want to take off and get where we're going. And finally he stands up and the phone is still ringing, everybody. Phone's ringing. And all of a sudden... He realizes that in his cargo pants, in that big, large cargo pant pocket, his phone was right next to him. And even hearing the sound, oh my God, he thought that it was far away from him. He had forgotten where his phone was, and he presumed that it had to be someplace far away from him, and yet it was so close. Ladies and gentlemen that are watching today, can I let you know that if we could just stand still, like that guy who stood up and stood still for a little while, if we could just stand still, you'd realize that in this message, and maybe for weeks now, God has been trying to call out to you, and you've been searching all over for an answer. You You've been searching all over for a breakthrough. You've been searching all over for you to get a cure. You've been searching all over for you to get an answer. Not realizing that that answer is closer to you than you ever could have thought. But you're just so frantic, working in your own ability, working in your own strength, working in your own talent to find it. And guess what? You may have forgotten about it, but it's closer to you than you think. Ah, can I tell some of you today that your next miracle is attached to your memory? And guess what? God is not far from you. Maybe this is why the psalmist said that we should remember God and not forget his benefits. And I know that there's some people right now, you're so frantic trying to fix and find where God might be in your life. That guy couldn't even feel the weight of his cell phone close to his body as he flushed himself around. And maybe the Holy Spirit is inside some of us, so close to us, and we don't even feel the weight of what God has done. Can I tell you today that your miracle... <laughs> Maybe just one thought away. Your memory is essential to your next miracle. If you don't forget, if you somehow remember the significance of the loaves. Those disciples, watch this, they had a loaf of bread in their boat, but they didn't think they had enough food. They started arguing about the food, not realizing they had more than enough to be multiplied. If you're watching right now, I want to let you know that this is the moment, that if you've made Jesus leader and Lord in your life already, now's the moment for you to realize something. The American church, we have gotten a bad case of spiritual amnesia. 
And now's the time for us to ask God to heal us, to touch our memory so that we can recall what he's done before, that he's able to do it now, and that he could do it again in the future. So if you've already made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to open up your heart big and wide wherever you're watching right now. Come on, everybody. That's it. Come on in the chat. Come on. That's it. Everybody, open up your heart big and wide. Let me say a prayer for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person right now that realizes that they've had a little bit of amnesia, they've forgotten the significance of the loaves. I am asking you to remind us again, Lord, of what you've done in the past, that you're able to do it again. Fill us to overflow. Help us, God, to remember what you've done in the past that you're able to repeat again. Let us never forget what you've done so that we're able to trust you in the middle of our storm, that you're not intending to walk past us. I pray, God, that we will cry out just like the disciples cried out. I, I can laugh about my friend that didn't cry out while he was struggling but maybe us crying out right now might get you in our boat, our proverbial, our metaphorical boat right now, God, for every person. I pray, God, that you'll help us to experience a miracle in Jesus' name. And then for those of you that do not have a relationship with God, we want to give you an opportunity today. You're going to hear some clear next steps on how you can grow spiritually in a moment. But right now, I want you to pray this fresh start prayer with me. You can make this audible in your heart, but you got to pray something along these lines. Come on, everybody. Let's do this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, today, I turn away from my sin and I turn toward you. I make Jesus leader and Lord of my life. Would you give me your Holy Spirit and the strength to follow him? And I pray this in Jesus' name. And if that's you and you prayed something along those lines, welcome to the body of Christ. And I want to remind you one last time again, your memory is essential to your next miracle don't ever underestimate the significance of the lobes.